Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hello, I'm so excited. I am here with Teddy the dog for those watching the video version, um, but I'm with Jatel and she is going to share her story living with ankylosing spondylitis. And I'm just really excited to delve into it. You might recognize her name because she has been on a past episode that was actually an Instagram live that I repurposed into an episode. But why don't you go ahead and give a quick introduction to you, like where you live and what is your relationship to arthritis? Okay. So yeah, my name is Jatel, like Cheryl said. Um, I also go by GT, so I have both of those. Um, I am from Southern California, born and raised in downtown Los Angeles, which a lot of people are like, I didn't even know you existed. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're here for sure. <laughs> um, and I have ankylosing spondylitis, which was diagnosed when I was 30, but symptoms started presenting when I was 15. So I've had, I've lived with chronic pain since I was 15. So since like 2003. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, what was your, you know, I call it the diagnosis saga because nope. for some people it's a short saga, but for most it's a long saga. So yeah, I, I, let's jump into that. Yeah. I'm like, I feel it. It also depends on age in terms of uh, how, what the saga looks like, what, what medications and treatments and stuff were available when they, yeah. So mine whoo, starts when I was 15 with random pain in a classroom. Um, and then, um, Later, a few skip a few years later, and oh, I got it into my head that I really wanted to be healthy. And um, a friend of mine told me I had a runner's body, and oh. um, so I was like, running hmm, could could be. So I decided to try out for the cross country cross country team. Nice. And uh, within two weeks, I was in unbearable hip pain. And it was really bad. And I, I didn't even make it to finish conditioning with the cross country team to even be part of the team because the pain was just, it, I couldn't even 
I was limping everywhere at this point. Um, I, well, I went from not doing any exercise to running a mile in like two weeks, you know, so that was a lot for my body. Um, and so now having the vocabulary for it, I can say, oh, I, I activated a flare back then Mm -hmm. but I had no idea that that's what was happening all I knew was I was in really bad pain and I had no idea what it was so I had numerous x-rays done like countless x-rays done Mm -hmm. nothing ever showed up on x-rays um and then it wasn't until um I was a student at UCLA go Bruins and um I literally walked into the ass center which is our medical center and demanded an MRI I have have pain I've had lots of x-rays we can't figure out what it is I want to know what it is I need an MRI and I don't even remember how I got MRI stuck in my head but all I knew was like x-rays wasn't showing anything obviously I'm in pain there's something and um they did the MRI oh and before they even did the MRI they're like well you're in pain let's uh prescribe you physical therapy and mm. so that I actually started physical therapy is probably my longest relationship because <laughs> yeah. I started that when I was 18 um, and I started it I'm still literally Facebook friends with that physical therapist that I started oh, with wow. yeah at UCLA and I remember uh, direct messenger I forget what messaging her or whatever yeah. when I finally got diagnosed being like I finally got a diagnosis because she was like for four years, she was with me trying to figure out what was wrong, like, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, and like giving me different exercises, but yeah, and- um, Wait, so was the, was, the, was the MRI at age 30 or was that back when you were- The younger? MRI was back when I was 18. Oh, not, okay, and that didn't show anything? Well, not at first, and then they did I an see. MRI with contrast, and the oh. contrast showed that I had a labral tear in my left hip. Okay, And okay. they were like, you're gonna need surgery in order to- uh, repair it um okay and at that point in time when I was 18 the technology did not exist yet so they would have had to do the invasive surgery of like breaking me open and like mm. healing everything and I, was, and I was 18 years old had just got into college and I was like I don't want to do that no. so I was like well physical therapy is helping me manage the pain and everything um and then my physical therapist also said it would also be really good to strengthen you up before you do mm-hmm. surgery yeah so we decided to go that route and because I postponed it at that point in time by my senior year of college uh, the technology had advanced that now it was arthroscopic surgery. So yeah. they just had to make a little incision, yeah. feed in the camera, sew up the labral tear, and that was it. And I thought that was going to be the end of my pain. Yeah. And I thought, oh, right now I'm not even tearing up because I remember just like, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. I'm not going to have this pain anymore. And, and, and it'll be a thing of the past. And oh my gosh, then I had to deal with insurance issues. <laughs> Mm-hmm. because I graduated from university and I had the insurance through u- the university but now my insurance was changing and at that time pre-existing conditions were a thing oh, so yeah. I was labeled as having a pre-existing condition and the, it was so complicated and so my hip I didn't get to do the physical therapy I was supposed to and so the pain came back and I thought it was because I didn't do the correct physical therapy because of the insurance right. and all of that still had no idea it was because of ankylosing spondylitis <laughs> Right, right. So all of that is just like the tip of the iceberg of my diagnostic medical saga. Yeah. Um, 
And I literally just did what I was telling myself. I was like, being mindful not to get lost in this story because it's such a long one. This is literally what I did with my students once because they asked me, oh, because I used to be a teacher. Seven, no, no, I was going to make sure teacher. to, put, I kept yeah. thinking to myself, make sure to get that in there because that's me too. part of your identity and your personality. Yeah, exactly. I was like, and you need to understand why I talk the way I do. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. And no, um, but yeah. And uh one time a, t- a student asked me about this and I just went into this whole diagnostic trauma saga thing and I was like I oh, for way too long so. I have a 45 minute video on YouTube I made in 2019 when I first started my channel with arthritis life and it is 45 minutes of me sitting on a bench with a little baby teddy on my lap baby um teddy. sitting on my piano bench did I say piano bench and and just barfing out my diagnosis story and mine was only three years so, you know, believe me, yeah, we could spend 45 minutes on entirely on entirely just the on this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's such important, like background to kind of understand. I think so many of us, so many people listening will understand that experience of uh, wishing that what you had or ex- assuming what you had was an acute illness that it's like a mountain, you overcome the mountain back the other side, go on to live your life as opposed to a life altering chronic series of mountains that you'll be up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> yep. That is literally, so I was a health teacher also in middle yeah. school and yeah. there was a chapter on injuries and acute versus chronic. And I don't mm-hmm. always be like, you guys, this is my jam right here. I thought my injury was acute, but it's not, it's chronic. Let's talk about what that means. <laughs> That's amazing that you gave, because I, this, I do think that like, most children grow up with a real, like a framework or schema for like acute illnesses. We understand we get an ear infection, take the antibiotics, it gets better or strep throat or now COVID, you know, but well, now COVID has two elements, even right? has there's, treatments too. Yeah. there's the chronic, but there's also the chronic, you know, oh, yeah. long COVID that becomes a chronic illness. But I really don't think we have a lot of like anthropologically speaking, like a lot of like kind of social scripts for understanding chronic anyway, but yeah, you and I are both really good at going on soapboxes, but no, you're, you're telling this pretty linear. I just wanted to make sure I understood where the MRI was, but Mm -hmm. so then you went to physical therapy, pain came back and you're confused now because you're like, but we did the surgery. Yeah. I thought it was going to be over. Why am I still limping around? Why do, why did this pain, why am I having why did my pain jump to the right hip when I've always had pain in my left? Mm. You know, and then I was like, oh, it must be because of compensation because I'm putting too much weight on the one or the right. None of this knowing. No, you have a chronic condition. But it technically, I mean, there are some athletes like, you know, cross country runners who could have had that other path, right? Where it was, I mean, you, you said it perfectly compensate sometimes when you injure one hip, you mm-hmm. compensate with the other one, that one gets injured, and then it still be, is an acute thing that you fix, exactly. but it just wasn't your destiny, unfortunately. Nope. And then in my 20s, I did a Teach for America, and that's how I became a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I was in the classroom for seven years. I call it my Harry Potter <laughs> seven nice. years of yeah. uh, teaching. Even though I didn't even make, I feel like I tripped the, at the finish line of my seventh year, and those kids will forever, I will always feel like a short change them you know because I'm like you should have had a better year but anyway um yeah exactly exactly like, you control gonna... the controllable you know exactly. you did what you could exactly but yeah and um during that time and during college I always had my uh seat cushions and accommodations and I always asked for modifications and I had we've talked about this in a meeting before but I definitely want to talk about it here is just I had no shame 
I was unapologetic about these things. Like mm-hmm. um, the seat cushion I got at a raffle at UCLA uh, at my job. And it was one of those like fan bleacher seat cushions, yeah, you know, the ones yeah. that you take. Mm-hmm. But I literally just took that with me everywhere. Like I was like, why do I just need this for the hard bleachers of a game? No, I need this for my classroom. I need I used right. it for graduation. I, I when I go to Disneyland, I would take my seat cushion with me, you know, like I and everyone would always be like, smart you have a seat because you know yeah I I actually felt like good about it you know I was like yeah I'm smart I know what I'm doing like I'm taking care of myself you know they get these suckers on hard surfaces while I have my seat cushion (laughs) yeah no that's that makes sense right um and yeah and even during teaching like it straight out I just well I I can't do that like I'm physically Mm -hmm. unable to do that let's figure out a different way that I could do that and often it would be like oh they would assign a TA to my class but I would be there for supervisory reasons like stuff like that Mm -hmm. it was always completely doable Mm -hmm. um and uh as we know stress really activates Mm -hmm. a lot of symptoms and teaching it's a very stressful job. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. yes. Like my uh, line before all of this was uh, uh, teaching is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've had brain surgery. Oh, yeah. Because I also had brain surgery. Oh, yeah. So that little thing. Yeah. I oh forgot about God. that one. Yeah. That also happened while I was uh, my senior year of college. I had two major surgeries my senior year of college. So, And what was I- the brain surgery for? So the brain was for an arteriovenous malformation, nothing okay. to do with the ankylosing spondylitis that I know of, um, mm-hmm. or the Crohn's that I know of. Um, but it did uh, answer the question as to why I always had migraines growing up. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it was basically that the blood wasn't flowing through my brain the way that it's supposed to. An artery and a vein were fused. Mm-hmm. And the scary part about this is that most times this the abm is found in a uh, autopsy (laughs) like after the fact and they actually found mine before and it was because i had a really bad migraine that i tried to do you know you you develop all your tips and tricks and stuff that you do right 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 and so i tried to do all those things and nothing worked and in fact it even got worse and i was like oh that's not good so my mom took me to the er right away and yeah it was it was intense. oh my gosh Mm -hmm. i'm so glad you got diagnosed with that and treated yes but that definitely was a and i overcame it you know like the only thing that yeah, yeah exactly the only thing that i have left over from that is I lost I lost the use of my motor skills on my right side so I had to learn how to use my left side so that was another Ah. joke I would say in the classroom a lot is uh Miss Aguilar is ambidextrous which means I can use both hands but poorly (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah if you have ever felt completely lost or utterly alone while trying to navigate real life with rheumatic disease listen up I am here for you I created an educational program to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported and connected in a matter of weeks. And it's called Room to Thrive. After earning a master's in occupational therapy and completing hundreds of hours of additional training, I created a step-by-step guide to help you truly thrive with rheumatic disease. This is the only program I know of that's designed to improve quality of life for people living with inflammatory autoimmune forms of arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, Sjogren's disease, and more. During the self-paced lessons, you'll learn how to manage pain and fatigue, cope with stress, navigate relationships, and continue doing the things that matter to you and bring you joy. 
The goal is really to help you improve your quality of life and learn how to thrive with your rheumatic disease right now, rather than waiting for a distant day when it might be cured or healed. I really created the down-to-earth, practical, heartfelt resource I wish I had had when I was first diagnosed at age 20. If you want even more in-depth support, you can join the 12-week Room to Thrive virtual support group, where you'll be surrounded by people who actually get what you're going through, people who will provide the encouragement, validation, and support that you deserve. Each group is expertly moderated, so you don't have to worry about the kind of misinformation that spreads like wildfire in the free-for-all social media groups. If you're on the fence, don't just take my word for it. Here's what Katie had to say in March 2023. I was lost and overwhelmed with my RA diagnosis. It felt overwhelming to know what to read, what to do, how to spend my energy trying to research on the internet. Room to Thrive did that for me. It's been like getting a crash course in my diagnosis along with a community who gets it. To see all the details, including the dates for the next support groups, go to the link in the show notes or bit.ly slash thrive room with a capital T and capital R. You can also just email me anytime at info at myarthritislife.net. And don't delay if you're interested because each group is capped at 16 people or less in order to make a small, intimate group atmosphere. Thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to get started with the next groups. And I can't wait for those of you who are interested in the self-paced option to go ahead and join that at any time. Bye-bye for now. Um, but yeah, so I my life was a lot of adapting a lot of like okay this is coming out of left field let me try and figure it out like I mm-hmm. I feel like I the the quote that you put up um you know how I told you that I put up a bunch of stuff that you had put up yeah for me. so the quote that you had used for me said I had done everything I knew how to do and I I didn't know what to do anymore before I joined your group oh yeah. and that's basically because that's that's the wall I hit like mm-hmm. I was like I am I've lived with pain since I was 15 I know how to deal with pain it's getting to a point where I I don't know how to deal with it anymore like this Mm -hmm. is that I got to a point where it was constant where I was bedridden where I, I it was it was it was a lot and too much and just any other way that you want to put that yeah yeah um, that's a, that's a really rough that's a rough time I mean how how else do you say it yeah yeah and so it wasn't until I was 30 and um, I could no longer keep teaching. Um, I had to keep calling out uh, more and more. My uh, principal and uh, supervisors and other people had to keep covering my classes because I had to keep leaving for doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that was also the year of the uh, content warning for this one, but for of the um, mass shooting in Florida. Oh, right. And here in... Um, California, we had just had uh, the earthquake drills that we do in October, mm-hmm. October 10th at 10 Um, And I had told my students that if in a real emergency and they needed to get out of the classroom, they would have to tag along at the back of the sixth grade teacher and leave me behind because I would mm. not be able to limp. Like I had an elevator key. I had to take the elevator. I couldn't take the stairs. Right, right. So I was like, no. And they freaked out on me and they were like no 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 and they started like imagining ways to like carry me out and stuff and I was like oh I don't like where this is going and then combine that with the mass shooting and just I became terrified that I would become the reason why like a student it just it 
way became too much yeah absolutely <laughs> for me to handle yeah so like talk about like it's hard enough to try to, to be a disabled professional but then to yeah. add all of these other things on top of it it's it's mm-hmm. so I had to leave teaching by the by uh, uh but I didn't make it back from spring break I think so um what year is that 2018 okay okay yeah mm-hmm. and then so we know what's coming yeah. <laughs> so that was in 2018 yeah mm-hmm. and I I just I struggle with the same kind of I think anyone who goes into the helping fields struggles with the same guilt like I remember when I I'd had two acute health issues on top of my continued postpartum flare-up and I had been working for a couple of years after Charlie was born and in a outpatient pediatric clinic, I got so close to the families I was working with. And I remember when the car accident was the straw that broke the camel's back, like, and actually little did I know four months later, I was going to have a really bad, um, food poisoning thing that was going to set off my gastroparesis again and lead to severe small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, all this stuff, deconditioning, losing weight, just horrible. But I remember the, I'll never forget like the feeling of guilt I had leaving, even though leaving that job, even though now I can see so clearly that like, I could like kind of hold it to, I could hold it together. Like I was, there was nothing unethical about like me working in the sense of like the children were safe, but it was coming. I was using all of my spoons for that. I had none left for my baby, you know, my toddler, my husband, anything else. And it just wasn't sustainable. So anyway, sorry. I'm just, I'm thinking about that right there. That's the Sesame Street word right there. Sustainable. Sustainable. How how can we make these things sustainable? And you, you kind of get to a point where you're like, this isn't sustainable. Like I'm not, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left teaching, I became unemployed. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I was married. So mm-hmm. my husband uh, took time off of his work through the Paid Family Leave Act, right? Mm-hmm. And it became our mission to just get me a diagnosis, get me some treatments, like figure out something, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, because speaking of weight loss, I am not right. a big person I am a very small person and I normally like my students always knew they knew of hangry Miss Aguilar right yes that if I was hungry if I told them you guys I haven't had my lunch yet like you would feel the classroom just kind of shift and get a little straighter and just like oh she's not messing around right now you know yeah. like they knew I've had students before like take out a banana from their backpack and like offer it to me oh because God. they knew that it would just they would have a better classroom experience if I yeah. was you know yeah 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 um my classroom my, my my drawer from my classroom desk was full of food and snacks and stuff and my students also knew that if they were hungry they could go in because I it mm-hmm. just how are you ex- I can't teach while I'm hungry I can't expect you to learn while mm-hmm. you're hungry either right mm-hmm. um so yeah so it was that and then that year I lost 10 pounds without even trying mm-hmm. that drawer started becoming dusty because I wouldn't take anything out I realized I was going full days without eating and I was like oh something's wrong here yeah. um a lot of people don't know that unintended weight loss and appetite loss are symptoms of rheumatic inflammatory conditions like exactly. ankylosing spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis, and rheumatoid. It's Ooh, let me throw inflammatory- another one at you. Night sweats. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. So that was happening to me too. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on with my body. Like, I'm, nor- I'm used to using, I mean, I'm used to experiencing chronic pain. These things are beyond pain now. 
these mm-hmm. like I'm having night sweats I'm not eating I've lost my appetite and I'm a stoner we haven't even talked about that like I mm-hmm. smoke weed all the time so how am I not hungry this makes right. no sense mm-hmm. um and then oh because of the pain I had started uh acupuncture and um cupping and stuff because you know I don't know about you but I definitely got to a point where I tried anything yeah. and everything right so I was like the kitchen do sink. that one yeah yeah so I tried that one and that was actually pretty useful for me, especially because that acupuncturist, I will forever be like, thank you. Um, he was like, I know that you're complaining to me about pain in your hips. At that time, I also had uh, wing scapula and costic chondritis. So it was mm-hmm. like you're uh, complaining about pain in your shoulders and your chest. But literally everything is telling me there's something wrong with your stomach interesting Everything. he knew yeah and I was like oh I mean I'm not eating like blah 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 and, he, and I've lost weight and I'm not trying he's like yeah you need to go to a stomach doctor like figure that out okay and so I literally went to my primary care doctor and was like I want to go to a stomach doctor I had no idea what they were even called at this exactly point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then I go and they're like well and I explained everything and he's like oh you look fine which you know you look fine. I walked in there looking fine and everything. He's like, well, we'll do tests just to like be sure, blah, blah, blah. And then he comes back with, oh, yeah, it looks like you have Crohn's disease. <sighs> that is oh, so bizarre that a gastroenterologist, I mean, who knows what their intention was when they said you look fine. They might have tried, maybe they were thinking they were being comforting, but like their whole job is to look inside of your body. Like you can't tell from the outside what gastroenterological like condition someone anyway exactly so so Crohn's which is also an inflammatory condition mm-hmm. yeah so that was you were like me you got it you got a GI diagnosis r- before your r- rheumatic disease mm-hmm. but I was it was a uh, kind of simultaneous because like I said at oh. that time my husband was like we are getting to the bottom of this solution oriented yes. figuring it out and so I also had I started with the rheumatologist um and that one <laughs> He literally just put his thumbs like where my, the, the, like the top of my buttocks kind of area, yeah, like the SI yeah. joint kind of thing. And I jumped like a mile in the air and oh. he was like, oh, you have ankylosing symptoms <laughs> like wow. straight out. <laughs> like, just like, oh, that's what you have. And I was like, oh, I guess some doctors really can just tell by like one little thing, but sure. Right. Um, and then they did tests and stuff to like confirm it. But um. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I got diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, that's long. Well, and so what emotionally was the response? Was it like a mixture of a bunch of things? Ooh, yeah, it was validation. Mm-hmm. Validation of I knew something was wrong with me. I, I knew I was having pains for a reason. And like, and, and, and it was back to the, the other surgery it was like, I wanted it to be an acute injury and I wanted it to be over and done with. And I knew that it wasn't. (laughs) So, um, it was definitely one of those, it was a very validating experience to finally have diagnoses. Um, also having diagnoses allowed me to start paperwork and start like, uh, actually having names for things, you know, as opposed to Mm -hmm. just like a blanket statement of chronic pain. It's like, no chronic pain due to ankylosing spondylitis, like that carries more weight. (laughs) Yes. Um, and yeah, I was able to start seeing more specialists and actually start a treatment plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's so I think so often people think, oh, my gosh, were you so sad? They'll ask me like a question like phrased as if they're assuming that I was so sad when I got my diagnosis. And I'm like, the diagnosis felt like you're in a video game and like that's the magic key 
to mm-hmm. like to help. the next level. To yeah, the, the next like, level. Yes. I mean, I didn't realize that that wasn't the end of the game, right? The next level was going to have a bunch more challenges, but it was like, no, this, when you're so invalidated for me, again, it was only three years of struggling without a diagnosis for you. It was, I mean, you had these little baby diagnoses along the way that then led to, you know, the major diagnoses. Um, sorry, not to call a hip labral tear a baby diagnosis, but what I mean is a non-chronic diagnosis leading, you know, overall to a chronic, but I think it's just good for awareness for people to understand like your, the emotional experience can be very positive in response to a diagnosis or just very mixed. Cause you're like, okay, this is validating. And this is obviously a big deal given that there's always specialists involved in my care now. Oh yeah. And especially because it's like, oh, now I have a word to Google. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, goes back to my thing always of knowledge is power versus ignorance is bliss, you know, and it's like, okay, is this actually, is this knowledge that I find right now actually going to be empowering to me? Or is it going to be kind of paralyzing? And maybe I should get off of Dr. Google right now. You know, It's, it's a mixed bag. I know. I sometimes think there was so much more I could have learned if I was diagnosed later than 2003, because the internet was not that big back then. There wasn't a lot, there wasn't even social media other than MySpace, but there was a lot of rabbit holes. I was spared going down, you know, but, um, and then, okay. I don't know if it's possible to like put your treatment journey in a nutshell, because I do want to spend the majority of the time talking about like coping tools, because I, you are so eloquent with like, not to put pressure on you, but you're (laughs) very eloquent in my opinion about like talking about the things that have helped you cope and like talking about the emotional ups and downs. But I do always think it's people want to know like, okay, well, okay. What, what are the treatments? What, what are some of the highlights from your treatments like what's worked or not worked Ooh, okay um <laughs> i actually no it's okay i actually literally have a note that i've written down of chronic illnesses what i've learned so far because i do get these oh. questions from people all the time of just like literally my my own therapist was like i know someone who was just diagnosed with the same thing do you mind sharing some resources and i actually i asked you i was like can i have your website information everything yes i gave her the information who knows if you're gonna have a new uh, person in your oh that's awesome word of mouth yeah yeah exactly but um yeah so i made this and uh let's see i made this a while ago so i know i'm talking about like perma survival mode and stuff like that I put down terms to know flare, right? Like the, the mm, like the mm-hmm. vocabulary that I didn't even have to like talk about these things. So flare, right. uh, being a spoonie, like spoon theory, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like that opened a lot mm-hmm. of doors. Um, ableism, learning about ableism yes. and learning like how, oh my gosh, how internalized it is and oh. how I turn it on myself and oh yeah. Um, yeah, oh, toxic positivity is another one that kind of goes hand in hand with that one. <laughs> yes, yes. And we've talked a lot about that in the group. What does toxic positivity mean to you in the context of chronic illness? So, all right, I'm going to use a metaphor and I hope not to get too lost in it, but I make no promises. Yeah. Because, so have you heard that, that thing of like, oh, learning to dance in the rain? Oh yeah. 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 Right. Okay. So I used to have a poster in my room that said it was like a bunch of people with umbrellas because, you know, I live in Seattle Mm -hmm. and there's rain coming down and there's one person who took their umbrella down and is looking up and like smiling at the rain. And it was like, smile at the rain. And I loved that. But now I, yeah, there's double edge. But now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I still think I have a mixed vibe about it. Right. Cause it's not saying 
pretend that it's not raining, right? It's just saying, hey, can you take a moment to like smile despite the rain? I like that part, but saying, yes. hey, you should only live in a state of permanent bliss because things could be worse or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't like. So, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. the part. That's the part. So for me, I, I like to say that before I was very uh, steeped in toxic positivity tea you see what I did there but because I would force myself to look for the silver linings and everything you know and it's like this the the sun is not shining right like um and it keeps raining on me and I'm cursing the storm you know and, and saying like oh one day the sun is gonna come back and it'll be there and I just need to wait this out mm -hmm. and you know like oh, grasping onto that positivity didn't really help you know, and then turning it into that one of the like, okay, well, I know that the sun is gone for now. I know that it's been raining. Maybe I can learn how to dance in the rain kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. But then it also the double-edged sword of that other way, you know, so I feel like, I feel like chronic illness kind of allows us to peek behind the curtain sometimes you know yeah. and again it's that whole knowledge is power versus ignorance is bliss thing where it's like sometimes actually that knowledge is empowering and you're like oh it's all an illusion of control you know like mm -hmm. one of those things and then other times it's like oh now I feel completely helpless because nothing's in my control you know and and how right. am I supposed to accept that and you know like oh um yeah yeah, 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 so it's definitely been a major and a very steep learning curve when it comes to that, um, you know, and, and trying to, that's another beautiful metaphor that I've learned for balance, actually, because it's like trying to figure out the balance, but learning of thinking of balance more as like a dance that sometimes you're <laughs> in rhythm for and then sometimes you're not you know sometimes you follow yeah. sometimes you feel like dancing and you know sometimes you just want to sit it out sometimes you're fine right. with just listening to the music and you don't have to participate you know like that right. kind of thing right as opposed to feeling like no I always am like on a tightrope and I'm trying to figure out this balance and I can never get off of here and I have to make sure that my balance is correct for my mental mm. health so that I could be stable and blah 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 and it's like that is just way too much pressure and right Right. Maybe I was able, maybe it was motivating to me once upon a time when I was able to do it. Right. But now that I'm unable to be on that tightrope all the time, and mm -hmm. I do need to mm -hmm. take a breath and just sit it out and just not <laughs> for a little bit and just right. exist, you know, like it, it's, it's learning how much of those, that past mentality that I had is just not beneficial to me anymore maybe it was once upon a time but it's just not anymore you know yeah I think and I think when it comes to it really um comes down in my mind to privilege so mm. it's kind of like saying if you were privileged um let's say use the example I'm going to talk about health privilege in a second but let's first use the example of financial privilege mm -hmm. if you're privileged financially privileged and your parents pay for college and you got to, you know, your parents paid for everything during your summer break and you got to do internships and you worked really, really hard at those things. Then it's tempting to say, and then you get a good job and then you make a lot of money and you're like, well, I worked hard. That's what people just need to do is just work hard, <laughs> you know, versus, okay, yes, I want to validate that you did. And this, I'm saying this from a someone who grew up in a financially privileged, like I'm talking about like millionaires, but like I'm talking about, you know, if comfortably middle-class environment and, you know, my parents did pay for college, you know, and I see now all those privileges I had, 
But when people, people don't see their like invisible privilege sometimes. And they'll say like, well, that person who's not successful, they just need to work harder, not understanding the privileges that allowed the person who's rich now to, you know, to succeed. So in the sense of health privilege, right? You're like, if you're already healthy, mm-hmm. then, and then you're like, I eat well and I exercise and that's why I'm healthy. It's like, it, you get credit and you should feel proud of yourself and happy that you eat well and exercise and you take care of your body, but there's a degree that's outside of your control. That's enabling you to sustain that level of health that other people through no fault of their own. You know, I was so healthy before I got unhealthy. You know, I never <laughs> touched illicit drugs or alcohol. I mean, we both joked in the, in the room to thrive group, you know, that I'm like the poster child of the dare program, dare to keep kids off drugs in the eighties and nineties. It totally worked for me. I was like, I'm never going to drink alcohol. I'm never going to do drugs. La, 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 la. Um, and I've obviously learned to be a little bit more, um, you know, nuanced in terms of like understanding, um, that, you know, it's not like if I have one sip of alcohol, I'm not going to like, you know, die, but, um, but the point is that, you know, um, it's easy to, to think that your positive attitude and your manifesting is the reason things are going well in your life when you have all these invisible privileges that are, that are enabling it. So anyway, exactly. soapbox, soapbox. So, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And I'm about to get on my own right now where I'm like, oh, another metaphor I have that I think you'll really appreciate is um, steamboats versus sailboats. Oh, I haven't heard this one. I love yeah. it. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I am a very black and white thinker. So I, I definitely need to push myself more to be in the grays, but like mm-hmm. allow my black and white right now of like, oh, there are two people's, two kinds of people in the world, like sailboats and steamboats. And obviously context matters and everything like that, you know, but just really blanket, really wide black mm-hmm. and white thinking. And basically it's like a steamboat, like, you know, that you're working hard to keep that boat going and everything like that and that oh, you 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 have a you have a ambitions you have a goal you have a place that you're going that kind of thing whereas like a sailboat it depends on the wind right and it's like oh sometimes yeah. it'll take you sometimes it's not like there's a real big practice and patience going on there you know and all of this yeah. stuff and it's like people who are steamboats look at sailboats and are like oh my gosh you're just like not doing anything blah, blah, blah. people who are sailboats look at steamboats are like oh my gosh you're just stressing yourself out you're not enjoying anything that kind of thing but it's just like it's just two different ways of being you know mm-hmm. like nothing's no one's right no one's wrong here it's just like whichever one makes sense for you kind of thing and for me I felt like when I was younger and pre diagnosis because it's not like I can't say pre being sick because I was always right right yeah but pre-diagnosis pre-unemployment when I was still able to actually push myself to do things the way that I see it is like I actually was never actually a steamboat I was a sailboat whose winds always took me in the right direction kind of thing Mm, yeah yeah the winds were favorable for you exactly and even using that metaphor it kind of makes sense because I used to have friends that would get really upset at me at like talking about college at UCLA and stuff because it'd be like oh my gosh I've been working so hard I've been studying this information I've been working on my paper for the past two weeks and you literally just did it this morning and you got a better grade than I did Mm -hmm. and it's like sorry paid for a really good private Catholic high school and I've learned how to do these things really well and you know but it's like no actually I mean yes part of it is my my talent and my hard work but part of it is just also just having really favorable winds mm-hmm. and it's like now I felt like I feel like the winds have stopped being favorable and I'm like learning what it is to be a sailboat and like all my 
former steamboat buddies are all the way over there doing their steamboat things, you know, and it's like, I mean, I'm learning how to not be hard on myself for it, you know, and just like accept my reality for what it is. And, and, you know, what it, like, I guess embrace it, even though I've had a really hard time with that word embrace, but I'm starting yeah. to embrace the word embrace. <laughs> yeah, I know. The first step in embracing your life is embracing the word embrace or it's same yes. with acceptance. It's accepting yeah. the, even the word acceptance. I think that's what people have a hard time doing is even just in, approaching the concept of acceptance. Um, but I think, I think when you said embrace, you know, what you can still do and what your, you know, what your abilities are, I think it's, it, I, I wanted to circle back to ableism because that is something that we've talked about a lot in the room to thrive, you know, support groups and the graduates, we have the post 12 week group, the graduates group that meets continuously and I'm uh, not continuously, but I mean like weekly <laughs> um, for longer than 12 weeks. And um, like, I would love to hear in your words more, how, how did you kind of learn what ableism even is? Cause at least I know I never learned what it was in school. And then how has that like affected how have you learned how to counteract your own internalized ableism? So when you said that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, yes, I did. I did teach that in school, okay. actually. Oh, I good. used to do this really fun privilege um, project, I guess, where I would have the students stay in their seats. I would put the trash can in the front of the room and say, write your name. I would hand out a piece of paper to everybody. Write your name on that piece of paper crumple it up and then throw it whoever makes the basket gets extra credit or something like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the people in the front some of some students would be like yeah all right cool easy easy win easy score my favorite students were the ones in the front who would be like wait Miss Aguilar this isn't fair what about the people in the back like the ones who actually yeah. oh I love those and then um I had one student in the back who gave me probably the best teachable moment where she just didn't throw her paper at all wow and I was like why why didn't you take your shot she's like what's the point I'm not gonna make it you know and I was like "Ooh, wow. that's a big was that okay good teachable moment let's talk about this right um and the different aspects of how privilege presents in your life and how it can affect you and like whether you feel ready to take your shot or not or whether it actually mm -hmm. feels something meaningful or not and um yeah, I remember whenever the students would complain, I would totally do the thing of like, what? What's not fair? I gave you all the same pieces of paper. That's yeah, equal, yeah. is it not? You all have the exact same task. You all just have to shoot the thing into the basket. Like, that's equal. That should be right. fair. You know, so we always had this whole thing about privilege and um, to, to start with, you know, so that they could get their mentality. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. called the hook to the listen. That's how I would. Ooh, hook the hook. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And then from there, we would talk about how there are different sorts of privilege. Mm -hmm. And one of them was we would talk about Western privilege. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, hey, haven't you ever noticed that for um, anyone who believes in Christianity, all of your holidays are lined up with all of their school holidays? I wonder how that happened, you know? But oh, so sad for Jewish teachers and students that their holidays. They have to call out right you know right. They, they have yeah. to miss a day of school a day of instruction it has to go on and then they have to figure it out on their own you know like that doesn't seem fair just because you're a different religion and then we would yeah. talk about ableism and i would uh, uh i would talk about that and just like you guys oh yeah because <laughs> i would like to i would try to you know kill two birds with one stone very often and mm -hmm. 
when we would go up the stairs, the kids would like to like play with the banister kind of thing, the railing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, you guys, you know what that's for, right? That railing that's there. You get it's it's for people like me who have a really hard time going up and downstairs. You've seen me. Mm-hmm. And I have to hold on to that rail as I go up because if I fall, it'll be really, really bad. Now imagine after you guys playing around with that it gets really loose and I end up falling. Mm-hmm. And you know, so now now I'm like, well, no wonder these students worried about me. <laughs> We're like, oh my God, what are you about? Because I'm like, look at look at the things I put in their head. But you know, that that so I did teach them explicitly about ableism what I was not prepared for was the amount of internalized ableism I would have like even just in terms of well I talked about having a husband I no longer have that husband and Mm -hmm. so even just in terms of thinking about like any new relationships like oh do am I dooming them to a one-sided relationship with me Mm -hmm. it's like internalized ableism right there excuse me would I use that language to talk about any of my spoonie friends would I say that someone is doomed to be in a relationship with my spoonie friend no why am I saying that about myself right right and I think like I I really didn't understand when I started the room to thrive like support groups and the other names I had for it previously. <laughs> for those who've listened to old episodes, like, wait, what is she talking about? Like the rheumatoid arthritis roadmap, or like I think I was very in the 2020, I called it the beginner's guide. But anyway, I'm interrupting myself. But um, you know, what I what has been so powerful, what, what I hoped would happen, but didn't really anticipate happening to the depth that it did is this process of just saying those internal thoughts out loud to a group of people who get it. It's like that you didn't, you didn't even sometimes need the other people in the group to be like, wait, think, listen to what you just said. Is somebody doomed to be in a relationship with you? Like, do you really feel so poorly about your self-worth? Like the seeing, seeing other people's reactions and hearing yourself saying it out loud in and of itself is like an aha moment. Oftentimes it's not even like the people in the group have to give you some long lecture to make you understand it. Does that make sense? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, and even what I was saying, like, of, would I say this to any of you guys? It's yeah. Like, back in the day, I didn't have any of you. You were all hypothetical people in my mind of would, right. the, would I say this to someone right. else versus now it's a very, per- no, I actually know you like, and, and, and it breaks my heart to think about saying the things to y'all that I say to myself. Yeah, you know yeah. and it's like no that that's not okay that is definitely internalized ableism that I need to work on you know right yeah it, it's just it's so fascinating to me how we can see it in someone else like I can tell you like oh you shouldn't I literally thought when you're saying about how you felt guilty for leaving after your spring break I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this, but um, because I, I really relate to that so hard. And I'm like, you should not feel a shred of guilt, like la la. But then it's like, I still feel guilty when I left my job, you know? And um, and it's like, why is it so much easier to to support other people than to support ourselves sometimes? I don't know why. No, oh, I need that <laughs> in a pillow somewhere. Yeah, because it's yeah, so true. I know it's. I think it's that um, we are, I mean, I do think that phrase, we are our own harshest critic, you know, um, really comes, comes to play, but, but yeah, so you have like, but I think it's just important to say that internal, 
internalized ableism is that discrim negative discrimination against your own self for your own health issues and your limitations. And it swirls together with this toxic positivity because there's this, I feel haunted by this idea that I've learned, I've learned to live with this idea and let it be kind of small in the back of my mind rather than taking over my mind. But it's there, this idea mm -hmm. that if I just did, if I just tried harder, would I be conquering my health or would I be feeling better? If there's something I'm missing, am I, if I, if I didn't eat as much sugar, you know, if I was just tried harder to sleep, if I didn't let myself get distracted so much by my social media before bed. Exactly. If I had followed, that one always gets me. If I had my sleep, asleep, yes. yeah, the sleep hygiene tips that I teach you in the room to five course, if I actually followed those, right. would I sleep better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we, um, yeah, in relationship to others, we can see that those are maybe that are, those are distortions or they may be true. And we can remind ourselves that, okay, so what? Like maybe you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Who, uh, who is perfect out there? You know, don't be so hard on yourself. And but with anyway, that, well, with that, something else that you've said before, I always think of it whenever I start getting upset, especially in that specific example where it's like, I've done everything right. Yeah. Why am I still in pain? Why is this like that kind of thing? Yeah. And then in my head, thankfully, now I have your voice <laughs> who says, oh. um, maybe the fact that you did everything right means you're not in as much pain as you would have been mm -hmm. you know like maybe you did everything right and that was able to like actually like manage some of this maybe this would have been way worse if you hadn't yes, been doing yes. everything right you know because we right. tend to think of it as like a wasted effort like oh I, I did know. everything right and I'm still in pain I might as well have eaten that ice cream and it's like uh no if I had eaten that ice cream on top of all this pain that I'm in right now I probably wouldn't have been worse yeah, exactly and yeah I also I wanted to ask before I move on to other coping tools because I do know that you have other ones you want yeah. to talk about um you mentioned earlier that so you you I am actually curious about this I'm sure you You've shared this already and I've kind of forgotten in my brain fog, but, um, so you were diagnosed officially in 2018 and then you joined, like when you joined the group, you were saying it was kind of like a, I don't want to say rock bottom moment, but a moment of like, I don't know what else. Oh yeah. Can you tell I me? Would, more about I that? would call it a rock okay, bottom okay. for sure. So what happened there was, um, and actually using what you had just said of like saying like, this is the stuff I teach. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Why don't I? Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally. So because I was a health teacher yeah. and uh, during the mental health unit, almost everything ends with find uh, seek professional help, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if like, if, you know, that's, yeah, literally the end of like something because I would have my kids do like jigsaw and be like present and like literally at the end of every presentation, find like find a seek out professional help find a therapist you know mm -hmm. and so I was like okay I can't have been teaching this for so long and not find a therapist when I need one you know I'm going through a lot yeah. of things right now and so this was back in 2017 pre-leaving the mm -hmm. job but like mm -hmm. where it was starting to really affect me and so I started therapy with her and at that moment I literally would sob through every single session from beginning to end just crying the entire time and I want to say within like three months that was no longer the case wow and I remember wow. I remember telling my therapist like 
oh my gosh, I'm actually not crying. I think I'm better now. Maybe I don't need therapy. Oh dear. <laughs> and oh, I just awesome. looked at her, right? And she Wait, just looked at me and I looked at her and then I just burst into tears again. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe not. Maybe I just don't need this. It's like how many years later and I'm still seeing her weekly. Um, <laughs> that process, those of us who are like the A students go through when we think, I'm just, I literally remember thinking, I'm just going to do this for like two months. Yeah, like I'm yeah. just going to learn some tips and tips and tricks. And then after like, you know, fast forward a few years, I was like, you're never allowed to move. I'm going to see you the rest of my life. I love exactly. you so much. <laughs> oh, and especially now with telehealth, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, because my therapist is still in LA. I'm no longer in LA, but I'm like, she's still there and I still talk to her every single week. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. So it was actually speaking of her, it was her um, who I was uh, telling her, like, I've got into my wits end kind of thing. Like I've done everything I know how to do. I'm here in therapy with you like I just I don't know what else to do anymore you know and she's yeah. the one who was like maybe you should find yourself a support group like it probably would be extremely mm. beneficial for you to find other people who actually know what you're going through and speak the same language right and I was like you know what that is definitely not a bad idea let me look into it and so that's when I started doing the social media search and yeah. I did find one that was a free one um and it was not my cup of tea. Yeah. You know me very well. I yeah. didn't say anything during these meetings. Me. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. I was silent. Red flag. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I don't think this is a place for me. I don't feel comfortable speaking up when I like, normally I'm literally the first person to talk. So um, I kept looking um, and I came across, I think, one of your reels. I think you were just dancing or something. Oh, my God. But you used um, probably a Disney music, Disney song or something. Oh, that probably the Hercules. Me, yes. I, I, yeah. That to me, just like, it, speaking of speaking languages, right? That spoke my language right yes. there. And I was like, yeah. ooh. And then I clicked and I saw your roadmap and I saw that you had acronyms and room to thrive and how thrive, like each letter had its own. And I was like, <gasps> she's speaking my language like this is it yes this is it so I remember I reached out to you I, I did it I got the roadmap and everything and I self stuff is not my thing I I need a group yeah we need you know like self-paced yeah. guiding was not not my thing I tried I I literally I can show you the google document where I tried oh. to take notes and stuff and it just it wasn't happening on its own and then um it fell through though because I think what what group yeah was it, be? it was like I forget like what December. happened. Yeah. 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 I think it, it was like, I had to push everything to the spring and I was so glad because yes. I'm not, um, I haven't always been the best at keeping track of all my emails. I'm working on my organization, but I, I, I am haunted also by this idea. Oh my gosh. If Jatel hadn't like followed up. Cause you were like, Oh wait, wasn't I? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I'm, I dropped the ball and, and, and that was completely just because of my therapist who was like, Hey, what happened with that? I thought you found something that you really liked, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, but it fell through. Well, maybe I'll reach out and I reached out. So thank point, goodness it point was to the therapist. Yeah, you know, yeah. For, sure, for sure. Well, therapists either. It's funny because some of them actually discourage because people are more likely it's the rheumatologist that sometimes discourages because they're worried about people getting misinformation, which unfortunately oh, yeah. is true in some groups, but it does help if you've, if you're out there and you're like, well, my therapist or my, um, you know, medical team said, be careful or don't, don't do a support group. Cause you're just going to, I had one person who literally was like, I want to do your group. But then my, I told my doctor about it. And, and he was like, 
you shouldn't do that because your disease is just mild at this point and you're going to get freaked out because everything that's the like, knowledge is power versus yeah. ignorance. And I was like, well, um, but this person was like, literally like I'm crying, I'm struggling. Like I feel alone. I don't know a single other young person with this. And like, yes, my disease on paper might be mild, but it's affecting my emotions and my life drastically. And so, you know, to me, it's like, um, I, I'm just, obviously, I, and I will say that there have been, you know, a very small handful, but there are people who it's not a good fit for them for whatever reason. They realize that it's too big of a group. It's too small of a group. It's too young of a group. It's too old of a group. Just that particular group. Sometimes, too many women. <laughs> yeah. Too many women, not enough women. It's, it's totally fine. I always say like, I, I cannot guarantee that this is the best thing for you. And if you decide that it's not, or it's, they move or, um, you know, there was one where it's like their diagnosis changed and they wanted, they really didn't want to spend their time learning about this disease. They wanted to learn about their new disease, which like, duh, like I would do that too. So people do leave the group sometimes if it's not a good fit and I give them a refund and it's fine. But, um, but I, so I always say, if you do, you know, if you're not sure, try it. And if it's not a good fit, I'll give you a refund. But anyway, sorry. That's I, me. I, I, that actually would make me feel so much better. Like, like, cause that's actually how I used to say between the Disneyland ticket versus a Disneyland pass. I was like, oh, when yeah. I have a Disneyland ticket, I feel the pressure of like, I must do everything in one day, you know, and like make the most of it and make yeah, the best of it yeah. and everything. Whereas when I had a pass, I'd be like, I'd go to Disneyland for a turkey leg, you know, like, oh, I'm going to yeah, have a turkey yeah. leg and watch the fireworks and that's it. That's okay. You know, I, I didn't feel that pressure of it. And so if I had that of like, and if you don't like it, you'll get a refund. I'd be like, oh, less pressure. Okay. I like it. I'll try it out. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Hold, hold on one quick second. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah. And so, sorry, I got us off, off track a little bit, but, um, but cause I, I, I am, I, I think it's really, um, helpful for people to hear like the personal story. So like you, you, you finally, you made your way into the group <laughs> yes. and then what can you tell people a little bit of your experience in, in the room to thrive group, which I think might've been called the RA roadmap plus group at that time. At that time yeah. I yeah. don't think we had an official name yet, but yeah, it yeah. was, um, <laughs> TBD first name. and foremost, it was that the, the, one of the experiences that you just said right now of like meeting other people and young yeah. people too, you know, where it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, because I'm sure that so many people listening have the exact same experience I have of you make friends with old people everywhere you go because mm. you're you guys are the ones looking for seats together you know you guys are the ones that are like oh my god where are the accommodations that they made for you know like mm. I once went to a wedding where it was standing only and the old people and myself were like yeah that's not gonna fly mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we, we, mm -hmm. we didn't even get chairs um oh, I've, I've but, never went to one of those oh, yeah, yeah. Went to one of those and um yeah, so to get into the group and just see a bunch of young faces was like, mm -hmm. oh, look it. Like, because for if you're young and sick, you get a lot of the, but you're too young to be sick, yeah. that kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> okay. But when you see other people and you're like, see, none of us are too young to be sick. Like, sick doesn't right. discriminate. That's actually another great thing about the group is like seeing like sick doesn't discriminate. How diverse are we? We're it is. And it is just just for anyone listening, you know, the group, it does tend to be the, the most common ages are like, you know, 30s to 40s. Um, there's definitely always a handful in their 20s, maybe yeah. maybe 20s to 40s. But and then there's always a lot of people in or a, another handful of people, you know, in the older years, like 60 plus. Mm -hmm. And so it is I actually 
love having an intergenerational group because there's a wisdom that, I mean, not to stereotype, but there is in my experience of doing this for the last few years, there's a, there's a wisdom that certain people can have after living life for a while, you know, that they can bring mm-hmm. and a nurturing presence that they can bring to the younger people. And then the younger people can bring a different energy to the older people. So it's really great. But yeah, so many people say that in the, or in the first mm-hmm. meeting, inevitably someone will say, this is my first time talking in real time to someone else with my, the same diagnosis wow. and maybe, and, and it's so powerful, you know, cause you might talk to people like asynchronously, you know, comment yeah. on their stuff or participate in an Instagram live or something like that, where you're commenting, but the actual interaction being a live interaction, even though it's virtual is, um, it's really powerful. So yeah. So sorry. Okay. Back to your story. I keep interjecting. I'm just excited. Oh, it's totally fine. Totally fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was actually one of the things. And again, it's like, it's not even, don't apologize for interrupting because you activate things in my mind where I'm like, oh yes, oh, I did want to <laughs> Good, good. good. Um, but that reminds me of when we first started and we were trying to figure out, like uh, we used the school uh, language at first and we we're like the freshmen, yes, the, the sophomore, freshmen, the juniors yeah. and the seniors. And that actually helped a lot in terms of the experience that some people are afraid of with support groups where it's like, that's going to be a lot of knowledge all at once. And I'm going to get overwhelmed and like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, especially mm-hmm. if I'm, uh, someone has a severe case and mine is only mild and, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. But when we started doing breakout rooms, remember? And yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. The people who have been dealing with this for longer, who already have like their ways, like of they already yeah. have their toolkits, right. Already have like tips and mm-hmm. tricks that they like to use. Like we could like discuss. And then the people who didn't, um, it was nice because it felt like we could share our knowledge with the people yes. who didn't have it yet. And then the people who were new to it and <laughs> like the freshmen basically were like, it uh, had a lot more new knowledge, right? Like, oh, new yes. research, new treatments, new, like, oh, have you guys tried this? And I didn't even know that was a thing yet. You know, right, like that's something that right. the doctor told you because you just got it. Whereas like, we've had it forever and, you know, yeah. So that was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I, I still, honestly, I learn things every week. I mean, it's really like, I do have a certain expertise from my background as an occupational therapist and my lived experience as a RA patient, but it's impossible to know everything and stay on top of every post, every trend and every research study. So having that collective wisdom from the group has been yeah. so wonderful, you know, for me personally. And and the group. And um, yeah, I've just really appreciated, you know, yours and everyone else's presence and seeing the the genuine friendships that have come out of it, you know, I mean, and now, cause it's been a couple of years, I know some of those friendships have sustained like outside of the group, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's just, um, it's very magical. So <laughs> it is, it is extremely magical. Like, yeah. When I think about the fact that none of you were in my life a few years ago, it's kind of, wow, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. The people that now we share, you know, um, memes with each other like you and I both love the goofy movie so like we'll share like oh look at this real of the goofy movie and just connect like it's not and that's another thing people don't realize about support groups it's not just about talking about your illness it's about connecting as like human beings and remembering that yeah we we have lives and interests and value outside of our illnesses as well and validating that for each other oh so much that was like one of the I think Probably one of my favorite meetings is the one, and it was during the acronym. The show and tell. Yeah, that's under V. No, the show and tell was great. Oh, oh. no, I'm talking about the one where it was. uh, Oh, no, I'm losing it. Hold on. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I just started thinking about the show and tell. But no, it was the. 
No, I lost it. Remembering we're a self outside of our condition. Oh no, I'm totally jumping. No, it's ahead. Okay, it's okay. That's one um, of my toxic traits of thinking that I read people's minds and interrupting. But then mine is that then I just go with you. And I'm like, oh no, my brain's <laughs> over there. And I forgot where it was before. Um, but yeah, it was. No, it's gone. It's gone. It's, gone. it's okay. Maybe, hopefully it'll come back. You're, maybe when you listen to the recording, you'll you put it in the comments on Instagram. Yeah. Like, this okay, is I what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, we do do a show and tell for the record for, for under values and valued activities under the Thrive acronym. And that's always really, really fun. And there's always a lot of artistic people, which it's okay if you're not, but I'm always impressed with people's artsy skills. Yeah. I remember someone being like, how do you guys have time for so many hobbies? I know, yeah. And if you really thought about it, it was the ones who had been dealing with pain longer that had more hobbies and stuff. Oh, that I just remembered because my, one of my favorite ones, and I don't remember which acronym you think it was yeah. under, but it was when we were talking about life hacking. And yeah. we were talking about how we all became like life hackers. And it's like you, yeah. you, your creativity muscle really gets like challenged and you, when you're trying to figure out different ways of doing and achieving yeah. a task, you know, and like, yeah. obviously there's always the frustration of like, oh, I used to be able to do this, like without even thinking, you know, and now I have to right. like plan out every step, but it's still pretty phenomenal and fantastic that I'm able to plan out every step and figure out a different way of achieving the same yes. or a similar goal you know so I remember yeah. but that was one of those examples where it's like oh someone who was newly diagnosed was like how the hell do you guys all have time for hobbies yeah versus, yeah, yeah, like, yeah the yeah. ones of us who had had it longer was like oh well you start to learn your good days versus your bad days and the days you can push yeah. yourself versus the days yeah. you should not push yourself you know like that kind of thing Right, um, right. And that's the life hacks are under the tools for pain and fatigue, just, right. just for those. So that people. was the first one. That was yeah, probably one of yeah. my first meetings. And that got me where I was like, yeah, we're life hackers. Let's do it. Yeah. And doing it without shame. I, that's not something that really surprised me when I shared on social media my life hacks. I was sharing it just for information. People were like, how are you so confident and like happy about using these aids? I'm like, because they help me. Like, I'm confused. Like, why would you not be? And they're like, well, don't you feel embarrassed for using them? And I was like, oh, I don't have that gene. <laughs> I probably should have the embarrassed gene a little more. Um, but, but okay, but we- No, 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 wait, don't, don't, don't move it. Because that okay. is literally back to the seat cushion idea oh, yes, that I was yeah. talking about, yeah. where it's like, yeah, no shame. I'm like, I feel smart for doing this. In fact, people are just, and before I forget, because that's what I wanted to do, I wanted to plug in the Keeping It Real with Arthritis book. Yes. Because right? okay, that's literally- what yeah. my um my 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 uh section is on page 234 and it's literally about me and my seat cushion and that's my original seat cushion in the picture the ucla one um oh. and i think you pr probably can't see it right now but you know okay i'm there putting in that the book in the show notes perfect okay and but i do want to talk about another coping tool that or, you know, thing that helps you improve your quality of life, mm -hmm. which is marijuana. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then, and we do, ha I have a little bit more time than I can move my things around a little bit. So I think we can have about 15 more minutes if that works okay. for you. Hopefully okay. let's do this. Perfect. Right, Cause that's literally where I have my pain toolkit. And the first thing I have on there is cannabis. The okay. last thing I have on there is my seat cushion. So <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, cannabis. Um, so there are so many ways. Speaking of like 
old versus new, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, now it's so very different. If you thought you knew what the cannabis world was like a few years ago, it is yeah. very different now. And there are just so many kinds of products. There are so many different ways to consume ca- cannabis, which is the phrase that they use a lot now, because you don't just smoke it, right? Like you can right. also um, ingest it. You can also use it as a topical. Um, there's just so many ways. Um, for smoking, um, strains, the ones that help me for pain and pain relief tend to be anything with like OG and Kush in its name or ACDC. Mm-hmm. Um, those uh, stronger indicas tend to be more like body uh, relaxing, like the the way they used to tell you to differentiate uh, between sativa and indica is oh, indica yeah. is in the couch. Right? <laughs> nice. And if you're dealing with chronic pain and stuff like that, like in the couch is kind of where you want to be. <laughs> like if, right, if you're right, able to comfortably right. be in the couch, even better. So, you know, that that's where I use that. Um, I also use cannabis as an appetite stimulant, as I was just saying, that was obviously yeah. a really big thing for me. So for that, I've noticed anything with um, Girl Scout cookies or anything with anything edible sounding in the name tends mm-hmm. to be good, like lava cake. Um, gelato anything that's like oh I kind of want to eat that it's probably going to help you (laughs) have the munchies and get your appetite Um, that's a good word uh rule of rule of thumb yeah and then for depression I've noticed anything with like citrus in its name so lemon haze or lime haze tend to be some Mm. of my favorite um something like orange or that kind of thing and the reason for this so this is where the Miss Aguilar comes in the reason for this is because Right up until then, I was talking about cannabinoids, right? Um, or I'm, I'm so sorry. I was talking about strains, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those strains are just like the different kinds of cannabis plant, right? It would be like the difference between one kind of rosemary versus another kind of rosemary, you know? Like they're right, still rosemary, right. but they're they're different plants, you know? Right, right. Um, and so that's basically what's happening with cannabis. There are different plants with different variations. Now, um. Mm-hmm. There are 66 cannab- known cannabinoids from the last time I've researched this, which was a while ago. Okay. Of those 66, the most famous one is THC, which is the psychoactive one. Right. So right. a lot of people will say like, oh, I want to try cannabis for my pain or for my appetite, for my depression, but I don't want to be high. Then mm-hmm. basically you don't want anything high in THC because that's the right. thing that makes you feel psychoactive high. You want something most likely high in CBD, which is the other most popular cannabinoid that's out there, and it, which is not um, federally, uh, it's not a Schedule One drug. So that's why you see it in a lot more places. You see water okay. with CBD infused at Whole Foods, right? Right, Because right. CBD is a non-psychoactive cannabinoid. And what it does is allows, it, it lessens inflammation and allows your muscles to relax. So obviously that's really good for chronic pain and inflammation. Yeah. Um, and so- High-end CBD products tend to be very good for, um, like I said, chronic pain and inflammation and for not feeling um, high, like psychoactively high. But you do want it to have a little bit of THC just because that's how the reaction happens. Like a full, Mm -hmm. people who have tried full CBD products are probably like, oh, it didn't do anything for me Mm because it kind of wouldn't like it would need to have just a little bit of THC to react so like I see I I do uh, medical marijuana for my mom as well who has a lot of problems to deal with Mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. and for her I normally do like an 18 to 1 ratio or basically I find like the biggest ratio where it's like a little little bit of THC Mm -hmm. but mostly gonna be CBD to help her out okay Um, 
And then from there, I can go just a little bit more technical into terpenes because that's where the real research is starting to happen. And they're realizing that it's the terpenes in the plant that really has these effects. So if you notice, I said for depression, I've noticed that citrusy type stuff try to help. That's because the terpene that helps with literally with depression is called, I believe, lineal, L-I-N-E-O-L, something like that. It's like a terpene that specifically aids with that. So, of course, the strains that have more of that terpene is going to help you with depression. So I'm very excited in terms of like, let's get the research out. Let's find out what's going to really be great. Let's isolate the things that we need and, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's really exciting. There's so many different ways. Uh, My favorite medicinal brands, um, Level is a medicinal brand that I really like, like literally like level up, like level. They have uh, tablets. So, you know, in Mingo. Yeah. When they're talking about Miss Norberry being a drug pusher. Oh, yeah. Police is like, has your teacher ever offered you marijuana or tablets or something like that? And then the kid trying to be a smart ass goes, what are marijuana tablets? I laugh every single time I take one of them because I'm like, what are marijuana tablets? Is this, is this like, it's new (laughs) technology that did not exist when Mean Girls was there. But anyway, so um, they they have literal pills that you can, so that's what I also got for my mom because she's not going to sit there smoking out of the bong the way that I do. (laughs) You know, she wants to take a pill and go. Right. Got of that. There are um, sublinguals that you can literally put underneath your tongue and it just melts kind of like, remember those Listerine strips that used to happen? Yeah. That's what I've tried for helping yeah. sleep. Um, yep. And it's been interesting. I've, I'm still experimenting a little bit, but, yeah. Um, but yeah. And I just want to say, I will put in the, in the show notes links to a couple of previous episodes where we had a lot of, uh, I put a lot of research, you know, oh, in nice. the, in, yeah, um, mine is not. Oh yeah. No. And you explained it really, really well. Cause you're a good yeah. teacher. Um, and, but they're also for people who want to look at the research articles, cause it is, it is a mind shift for those of us, you know, raised in a generation where, you know, um, all cannabis was seen as bad, you know, and there really isn't like, you know, a actual like scientific reason that cannabis is any, you know, is, is worse than for example, alcohol, which people die of frequently from overdoses. And it's, you know, obviously led to like horrible things like drunk driving accidents and all that. And, you know, people who get mean drunks and all that stuff. So, you know, point being, I'm not, that's a whole other can of worms to open, but there's increasing recognition in the scientific community of the role is particularly in pain management. And in a world where, you know, restrictions are increasing to opioids, we need all the tools for pain reduction that we can have. And the Arthritis Foundation, American College of Rheumatology, like well-respected organizations have put out, you know, statements saying, hey, here's some research showing that, and Creaky Joints as well recently did, here's some research showing, you know, this is, these are the benefits potentially of, yeah. of cannabis in, in pain in particular. But you're right that there's also, and, and Christina talked about this, Christina Montoya, the arthritis dietitian talked about this in terms of the appetite stimulation and mm-hmm. helping with, you know, anxiety and depression. And there's just a lot of different things. Yeah. Cause she has a whole episode literally just yes, about yeah. cannabis and stuff, right? Like when we have an endogenous cannabinoid system in our bodies, like there's, this is not like, you know, um, yeah, it's, but yeah, it, it's, it's not foreign. It's literally, our bodies are literally made to process this plant. Yeah. yeah. You do need to know in your state, you know, you're in your country, what's legal for sure. Unfortunately, there's some kind of old fashioned laws around it and interactions with other drugs. 
Yeah, that's probably the most yeah. important thing. Tell yeah, your yeah. medical providers for sure. Um, so for sure, one that I just read that I was like, oh, no one's told me that, but that's important to know is that um, cannabis affects how your body uh, in, uh, gets anesthesia. Oh, that's right. Which yes. Makes sense because I took a gummy before going to my dentist so that I could relax and be okay and everything, especially because during COVID, it's like, okay, I'm taking off my mask. You know, like, yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. you have to take off your mask in a dentist. Like there's no right, way. right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was like, okay, I'm going to take my gummy so I can be a little bit more relaxed, blah, blah, blah. And he puts the anesthesia in and waits the amount of time. He's like, how does it feel? I was like, I still feel it. He's like, really? So he had to put like double the dose of anesthesia for me to feel it. And I was like, yeah. that's interesting. That's never happened to me before and then I came across this article that was like cannabis effects on a seizure and I was like oh well that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a lot lot of little things like that too um to keep in mind but it is something that people are really interested in I think the arthritis foundation put something out that 57 percent of patients or something with arthritis have tried it um, which is a lot, you know, a lot more mm -hmm. than most people think. So yeah. um, unfortunately I have to do to med a medical appointment for my <laughs> ear, nose and throat doctor. I have to start wrapping it up a little bit, but I do want to hear in terms of the rapid fire questions. Do you have any favorite words of wisdom for newly diagnosed patients? Um, when I read that question and it ended with the word patience, right. And I was yeah. like, oh, literally that's it. Patience like oh, ha, ha. the virtue the value yeah that that that's it like this is a marathon not a sprint kind of a thing and it's just like you need to be patient more than anything with yourself and especially when you're dealing with your body doing things that yeah. you're not used to it doing or not doing things that you wish it were doing that kind of like oh patience is, is just huge and especially patience in terms of like I was saying you never know what technology is going to change from here until later, you know, so even just the patience between waiting for hopefully a better treatment at some point in time, you know, like, but yeah. patience is huge. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that. And do you have a favorite movie or book or show you've watched recently? You know, you got me with that one. I yeah. was like, ah, and then I was like latched onto the word recently. Oh, and yeah. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I can do recent. And then I was like, you know what? No, no, let me do or just Meaning, meaningful to me in my yeah. life. Yes, yes. And you know yes. what what's really got that one is Pixar movies. Mm. Pixar movies do it. Mm. So Inside Out yes. gave me the best, like to be able to have that the 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 language once again to be able to express myself, especially to my therapist and be like, oh, I just I feel like sadness is running the show and doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Mm -hmm. And anger is like, mm -hmm. you know, I have anger tied up in a corner. I don't even know how to deal with anger right now. You know, so just like that was that's been very helpful. Uh Soul, that Pixar movie as well. I love that movie. Oh, so good in terms, especially for a spoony perspective of like what's my purpose. Yeah, You know, like I watched that movie after I had to become unemployed and stop teaching and everything like that. And it's like, especially in America, it's like, what do you do? Like, that's your identity. I'm a teacher. It's like, oh, now I say I'm a forever teacher because or you I'll are. say I'm a professional patient because those are the things that I am. You are. But, yeah, yeah, you're both of those. Yeah. And then the third plug for a, a Pixar movie I'm going to make, I've only seen it once, but it really got me in the feels and I'm excited to see it again is uh, Lightyear uh the oh, buzz lightyear yeah, movie and yeah. once again it got me in those spoony feels back in the whole like steamboat versus sailboat kind of mm -hmm. thing. it's like feeling like you're in a different 
place from everybody else. Oof, it was, yeah, it, got it was good. Those. Yeah, it was, I'd heard bad things, you know, it didn't get a lot of views yeah. and I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. So um, those are my, I, you asked for one, but I'm doing three. Those no, are my top course. three. Disney Pixar spoon. No, I know. You and I, because, yeah. <laughs> I literally have thought like, should I start like a pop culture podcast? Cause I love like my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is like pop culture happy hour. And I just love talking about like movies and books and TV and stuff. But anyway, um, do you have a favorite mantra or inspirational saying? Yes, I have two. Okay. One is one moment at a time. Mm-hmm. because they used to tell me one day at a time and 24 hours was that's way too long. too long yeah and then <laughs> I even tried just like one hour at a time and that still was too long so I was like I actually like moment because I get to decide what these moments are whether the moment is waking and baking <laughs> or the moment is mm-hmm. reading a chapter or the moment is taking a shower whatever that moment is gonna be for me just doing one at a time you know, and that's really okay. helped me. And then the second one is my now is not my forever. I always hear that one in your voice, mm-hmm. um, honestly, because that's like, that's one I learned from you. And I, I think of that one a lot. My now yeah. is not my forever. Yeah. Love it. And then even though for chronic illness, I mean, technically it is, but in terms of that, that I'm saying like, yeah, but you never know what factors are going to be different. You never know how things are going to change. So this, this now that you are experiencing is not forever. And it works both ways too, in terms of like, this is such a good moment. So enjoy it because it's not going to be forever. You know? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If it's bad or good. What is something bringing you joy right now? Angel City Football Club. So oh. yeah, sports season is back. Um, soccer. Oh, you used to play soccer, Cheryl. Yeah, no, we used to watch the Sounders. Yeah. Oh, Seattle no, Sounders. but you watched the, the men. I'm talking about yeah. the women, man. The women okay. is where it's at. So the National Women's Soccer League just started up again. I got my games um, starting back uh, a few weeks back and they go all the way until October. Okay. Awesome. And I have found that watching sports really is my best way to stay present and in the moment, you know, yeah. because it's really hard to get distracted because you're watching this happen, especially if it's a good game, right? You're just like, oh, really into it. So my, my girls, Angel City Football Club, it's our second year. Our inaugural year was last okay. year. Um, I'm like, I was going to, I feel like such a hipster when I do these kind of things, but I'm like, I was a fan before they even had a logo, you know? That's amazing. Like, yeah. So I was like, we're really exciting. And yeah, that that's that's for sure. Your team just kicked our team's butt though. Well, we, um, they've been going for a while. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah, have uh, a Megan Rapinoe in it rapino however you say yeah, it. i think you say rapino yeah okay. she's amazing yeah, yeah. so she we just lost to you guys 2-0 and i was like oh, oh. yeah that's not it was bad. it was a good game though that's and a respect i enjoyed watching score. and i was present the whole time so see that's, that's amazing you, that's oh, you, do it. you gotta watch the women's team okay you you what really is- should yeah Especially because, you know, how like men tend to like uh, scream and cry about their fouls. And it's just like, oh, my God, let's go. I want to see the game. Yeah. Yeah. Women don't do that. No, they don't. (laughs) No. No. So I love it. What does it mean to you to live a good life and thrive with rheumatic disease? I think it means being a becoming a life hacker (laughs) and uh, just learning how to go with things sometimes and how to accept them because that's been the biggest thing for me because before I was not miss go with the flow I was Mm -hmm. definitely you create your own destiny and blah blah blah, and now I'm learning kind of the opposite of that of like sometimes you just need to accept things and go with the flow and you know like 
uh what is the other one like it's not rejection it's redirection and you know all of, all of those like sound bites of wisdom i that love you get, that you know it's it really reminds me of um one of the things i say in the group or in the in the course which i teach is the truth will set you free but first it will piss you off you know that's a glorious dynamo quote and the and for control freaks the truth is your life will be better if you can let go of control but it will first piss you off because control is what is feels comfortable and powerful and positive to us. And so letting go of it feels extremely scary if you're a control freak, mm -hmm. but, and, and annoying, you know, but it will set you free. I promise. And if it doesn't let me know when I will amend that statement. <laughs> and then, okay. Lastly, oh, this is, I think we're gonna have to do this again. Um, where can people fall, find you online? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I would say the best possible place is through the, in, through Instagram. Um, I have a public profile, um, and my handle is Jatel underscore GT, which is G I T T E L underscore GT. Cause it's yes. literally the two names that people might know me as the, the third it. name that I technically have, which is my middle name. My family calls me. So oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. So great. Well, thank you so so much. I know that people listening will have gotten just so much out of this. Um, and you know, I'm just I'm very glad that you um came into the group and and it's just been a joy just getting to know you. And you are a forever teacher. You teach people in the group in your participation every week, and you've taught me. And I love you. And goodbye for now. Okay. <laughs> goodbye for now. See you soon. Love you so much. Thank you for existing, dude. No, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you.